Welcome to the investigation. A report this morning about a promise President Trump may have made to a foreign leader. We had a perfect phone call with the president of Ukraine. Uh, Everybody knows it. It's just a Democrat witch hunt. We're coming on the air right now with major breaking news from Capitol Hill. The House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, has decided to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Trump. Democrats calling their star witness, the top U.S. diplomat in Ukraine, Bill Taylor. To withhold that assistance for no good reason other than help with the political campaign made no sense. It was crazy. Today, I am asking our chairman to proceed with articles of impeachment. President Trump has just been impeached on both Article 1, abuse of power, and on Article 2, obstruction of Congress. The Senate will convene as a court of impeachment. The president went to extraordinary lengths to cheat in the next election. You know that what he did was not right. No constitution can protect us. Right doesn't matter anymore. You will find that the president did absolutely nothing wrong. There was no connection between security assistance and investigations. Nothing in the Bolton revelations, even if true, would rise to the level of an abuse of power or an impeachable offense. I think it's uh, increasingly likely uh, that other Republicans will, uh, will join those of us who think we should hear from John Bolton. The yeas are 49. The nays are 51. As expected, the Democratic motion motion to allow witnesses has been defeated. The Senate trial of President Trump winding down now to what appears to be an inevitable conclusion. It is therefore ordered and adjudged that the said Donald John Trump be, and he is hereby, acquitted of the charges in said articles. Without objection, the motion is agreed to. The Senate sitting as a court of impeachment stands adjourned. Sine die. Wow, what a six months it's been, and welcome to the investigation. I'm Chris Vlasto. This has been a very intense impeachment. This was compact for six months and now culminated by a performance that just occurred in the White House of Donald Trump claiming victory after his acquittal in the Senate. And I'm joined here now for our last episode with John Santucci, the senior editorial producer, and Catherine Falders, the reporter covering the White House and Congress. And really, I think I have to begin with what just happened in the White House of Donald Trump's performance being not conciliatory as, as Bill Clinton was 20 years ago. We've been going through this now for over three years. Uh, it was evil. It was corrupt. It was dirty cops. He was far more combative and tough and looking for a fight. If they find that I happen to walk across the street and maybe go against the light or something, let's impeach him. So we'll probably have to do it again because these people have gone stone cold crazy. Well, Chris, he did nothing wrong. So he says uh, <laughs> it, it, it was honestly, listen, as, as you know, I mean, I, I've covered Donald Trump for soon to be five years and 
the only thing that really compared to what we just saw was, frankly, the ride down the escalator in June 2015. Um, he allegedly had prepared remarks then. I had them in my hand, and I quickly threw them out. Um, and he just went on a rambling rant, and many of us who watched that speech and have seen it will remember it. But that's the only thing that today compared to. This was him in full glory, frankly, feeling better than I've ever seen him. But now we have that gorgeous word. I never thought a word would sound so good. It's called total acquittal. Going around the room, uh, patting himself on the back, patting his uh, loyal warriors, as he called them, uh, on the back, his legal team, members of the Congress that were on his side, and calling out his enemies. I I mean, calling Nancy Pelosi over and over again a horrible person, uh, taking direct aim at Mitt Romney, who, as we just heard from that montage, was the only uh, Republican to cross lines and vote against the president on one of the two articles of impeachment. You know, it's, it's interesting, though, that every time that we see Donald Trump feeling um, emboldened, uh, he's often uh, done something that is questionable. And we have to remember, Chris, that this impeachment inquiry started from the call uh, in July of last year uh, with President Zelensky from Ukraine. It was just a couple of months uh, after everything was done with the first problem he had, and that was special counsel Robert Mueller's Well, actually, John, I think it was the day, the call was the day after Mueller testified on Capitol Hill. Yeah. And, and, good, Catherine. You know, I was just saying, I, I think that, you know, from sources I've spoken to close to the president and in the White House, John, you may um, have the same information, but this is actually something that they're pretty worried about. They, they understand that this is the way that he reacts to feeling uh, vindicated. So I've ha- had some sources joke, but really feel this way, you know, saying, keep him away from the phones today. And, and you know, obviously he was out there for 60 four minutes, I think. He did, though, I will say, uh, John, offer one apology. He apologized to his family for, in his words, for having them have to go through a phony, rotten deal. But the other thing to remember here, though, Chris, is that, you know, as as we try to turn the page and move on from all of this, Donald Trump's not. We're going to hear about this every day for the next nine months until the voters go to the polls. Total acquittal, he said, right? Mm-hmm. But don't you think, though, I mean, he's behaving, I mean, not just this this performance today in the White House after the acquittal, but his State of the Union the other night was a guy who is as confident as I've ever seen him. And actually, I kind of was looking at this going, he thinks this is all going to work to his advantage. 100%. I mean, remember, just remember that image of him. Forget everything with Pelosi and him, but just the, the image that will stand out with me from that State of the Union was him up at the podium, uh, walking around the podium like he does at his campaign rallies. That is the well of the United States Congress. He felt more comfortable, more at home, more at ease uh, that night than uh, I think he's ever felt in a position like that in traditional Washington because it's no longer traditional Washington. It's Donald Trump's Washington. And Chris, the thing that I was struck by, I was going through some old emails um, on our on our small threads about what we're uh, hearing from sources. Um, And and John, you and I had both uh, written um, that the president wants this impeachment. He thinks that it will help him. This was before, obviously, uh, before Pelosi came out and announced it. But the, but that was the guidance we were getting from sources at the time, even though he, he has called it phony and came out and said, you know, he, he shouldn't be impeached. He does, Chris, as you mentioned, think this will absolutely work to his advantage. And, and on top of it, he was given such a gift 
of the Iowa caucuses as well. Oh, he's had the be- one of the best weeks ever. But again, it will be it'll be curious how this conversation will evolve in the next couple of weeks. What does he do now? What you know, does he turn a page? Does he actually, as he claims, focus on legislation and policies and priorities? Maybe. And do we think, though, also, though, maybe the biggest loser out of this whole impeachment may have been Joe Biden and that that the constant repetition of corruption and Hunter Biden just kind of affect the Iowa primaries? What do you guys think? Well, I think look at any interview Joe Biden did. I mean, he had a very difficult interview the other day with NBC News where uh, he lost it when he was asked by Savannah Guthrie about Hunter Biden, about the allegations that the Trump team and Rudy Giuliani had been investigating for so long. You know, I, I do think the the one issue, if you're a Democratic candidate here, where uh, you didn't learn from Donald Trump's playbook, frankly, is, you know, the fact that Joe Biden and others come out so infrequently and do interviews or try to move the news cycle on their own, uh, anytime they come out, they are catching Donald Trump's wake. And that's what Joe Biden learned the hard way. Uh, And a distant fourth place in Iowa and polls not showing it looking much better for him in New Hampshire. Uh, Exactly. I mean, I would agree uh, with that, John. And I also think, look, if we think that uh, we're going to move on from this, that the president isn't going to focus on impeachment, uh, that he wants to put this behind him, absolutely not. And and he's absolutely um, not going, uh, frankly, to stop uh, talking about Hunter and Joe Biden. I mean, even his own personal attorney, who, by the way, he didn't bring up at the at the uh, event it? in the East Room. Yeah, no um, Rudy. No Rudy. But even Giuliani uh, said that he actually thinks that the president should investigate the Biden still. And, and you know that Giuliani and, and the president are talking. So perhaps he's p- still pushing him to do this. Who knows? And what do you think happens to Mitt Romney? I'm sure to hear abuse from the president and his supporters. Oh, boy. I I think Mitt Romney's had a big problem. Does anyone seriously believe that I would consent to these consequences other than from an an inescapable conviction that my oath before God demanded it of me? And and, and I think that, you know, the the point, as we know, is that we were just talking about Joe Biden. I mean, Donald Trump's not going to give up. So if there's any opportunity to hit Mitt Romney, and Romney said this uh, in his interview with McKay Coppins at The Atlantic, saying that he knows uh, that his family is in for quite an ordeal ahead. And we know Donald Trump, uh, you know, does never forget who scorned him. I mean, look at what he's done to John Bolton. The White House is actively reviewing that book. uh, And our sources have been telling us that they plan to slice and dice it uh, and really prevent the former national security advisor from trying to publish anything. We'll see that review is supposed to uh, conclude within the next week. But I think Mitt Romney's in for a really tough time, Catherine. I I think he is definitely in terms of his future uh, in the Republican Party. But at the same time, I think that he this will be one of those moments that I don't think, you know, will get lost in history. You know, a lot of uh, you and I both know uh, the news cycle here. You know, we have about 50 stories at one day and they're easily forgotten. I think um, we'll be talking about Mitt Romney uh, for a very long time. Some, of course, you know, admiring him. The president, um, you know, will continue to attack him. So when we come back, we're going to look back at the whole year and how this all has evolved from a Russian campaign finance story to Ukraine and Hunter Biden.
Welcome to The Investigation. I'm Chris Vlasto, Senior Executive Producer here at ABC News. I'm John Santucci, Senior Editorial Producer. And we're also joined by Matt Mosk. And I'm Kira Phillips, and thank you for being here with us. We have brought in John Dowd. He was at the helm of all of President Trump's attorneys. This is one of the greatest frauds this country's ever seen. Former White House Special Counsel, and as you mentioned, legal advisor to Michael Cohen, Lanny Davis. You're going to hear in personal frontline experiences of memories and incidents and conduct and comments that Donald Trump said over that 10-year time period behind closed door that to me, when I first heard Michael tell me all this, even as much as I knew about Trump, that was negative was chilling. Joining us today is former White House lawyer Ty Cobb. What do you think of Bob Mueller? I think Bob Mueller is an American hero. And this week we have John Podesta. You know, we forget sometimes that those hacks were themselves crimes. And those are serious crimes that the that the Russian government uh, was committing. Roger, if asked, would you testify before this committee? Uh, I can't see a circumstance under which my lawyers would allow that. In my keeping with inviting everyone I know from my Clinton days on this podcast, I welcome Jane Sherburn. Just saying no and stonewalling Congress was not something that was in our lexicon. After a brief hiatus this summer after the Mueller report was released, and boy, we are coming back with a vengeance. The story that has broken in the last week has taken Washington by storm. Greg Craig, former special counsel to President Clinton, who led Mr. Clinton's defense during his Senate trial. If you were counseling Rudy, what would be your advice to him? When you're in a hole, I would stop digging. And I first met Asa Hutchinson when he was a congressman from Arkansas on the House Judiciary Committee. Committee, and he was a House manager during the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Let me make it clear that what I have seen yet is a very troublesome telephone call. Joining us now, Paul Rosenzweig, and he served as a senior counsel to Ken Starr during the Whitewater investigation. At this point, see President Trump's response to the impeachment as completely outside of the box of normal discussion. That is going to do it for this episode of The Investigation. Thank you so much for all of our guests. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you back again soon for another edition of The Investigation. Well, it's been a crazy year, and actually what began as kind of a a small idea about a year ago of doing a podcast. We kind of made a lot of news over the past year. We did about 50 shows. We actually had a lot of newsmakers. Yes, I made a joke a lot of inviting everyone I knew from the Clinton days. But actually, weirdly enough, they did shed some insight on what we are seeing now. And history does repeat itself. I hope it doesn't repeat itself again 20 years from now, but we'll see. I think it might repeat itself two days from now, the way this world works, Chris. I mean, we really may need to keep this thing going. But but you're right. I mean, you you, you, you just hear the tape and all the people we had on and, and some of the things they said were very revealing, both uh, from the folks in the Trump orbit and obviously the people that had gone through this uh, during the Bill Clinton era, like yourself. Um, you know, I, I I think that there's um, 
uh, there's something to be said for just the conversations we were able to have with people instead of the quick, you know, cable news hits, you know, the quick reports we do for Good Morning America or World News Tonight, that we were able to have conversations with people uh, and get them to explain things, give their perspective, take, you know, a step back away from, you know, the crazy every second nonstop and actually dive in a little bit and, and try to digest what's going on in real time to the best of our abilities because every second it was constantly, constantly changing. I'd forgotten for a second about um, when and we had interviewed uh, Ty Cobb, the yeah. former special counsel in the White House, of course, dealing with uh, Bob Mueller's team during the special counsel investigation, uh, to which he replied to your question, John, yeah. that Mueller was an American hero. But I do think you're right, John and, and Catherine. A lot of people felt a little more comfortable. It was less about our questions and far more about their answers. And I've always found that to be kind of the you get more out of people that way. Yeah, totally. And I, and I think also the fact of the matter is that, you know, we were going to people that were not the main faces of this, but had a lot of uh, interesting roles in, in the story throughout different aspects, both the Trump people, but even even some of the Clinton people that were not household names, but they were there for the moments that matter. They were able to explain to us like Barbara Comstock, who had investigated Bill Clinton uh, on the House side, you know, w- was able to explain to us the process by which this goes, because that was a big thing that the Trump world was making about that the process was unfair, it was unjust, and the juxtaposition of what was happening during the Bill Clinton world where, you know, they relied, as you well know, Chris, on the Ken Starr report uh, for their investigation, and here in the Trump world where the House really had a start as far as impeachment was concerned from square one uh, and did it on a very, very, very quick schedule to kind of get this going. Yeah, what was always funny to me is over the last six months is when everyone kept using the Clinton model as an example of great bipartisanship. And, and the truth be told, if I, I remember every single day during the Clinton years, and those were far, far, I, at the time, I thought was one of the most hostile environments in Washington. But everyone who says the Clinton model worked because there was a little more civility than there is today. Bill Clinton's statement, when he was in the Rose Garden 20 years ago, he looked for forgiveness of America and wanted America to heal. Now I ask all Americans, and I hope all Americans, here in Washington and throughout our land, will rededicate ourselves to the work of serving our nation and building our future together. This can be, and this must be, a time of reconciliation and renewal for America. And I think today Donald Trump is not looking for healing at all. And no, I think this event, you know, was in, entirely political. Um, I think John would agree with that. You referenced the 2015 uh, speech, right? So this was a victory lap, and, you know, he's going to keep taking those as it relates to impeachment. No one's going to forget about it. John, what was your favorite interview of our 50? Um, I think bringing Sarah Sanders in for, for a, a candid conversation on things right at the, the height of the Mueller report as we were waiting for the final results. You know, that, that was at a point, as you well know, and Catherine knows all too well, uh, that the White House started to really shut down, right? They were not uh, as accessible. They were not doing uh, as many interviews as they once were. God knows the briefing room uh, podium was collecting a hell of a lot of dust at that point. I think it is absolutely absurd, the idea that the president is silencing 
Gene Moeller. He cooperated for two years. The bottom line here is Democrats wanted something to be true that wasn't. So to actually have her in here as the chief spokesperson for the president, uh, giving her take on things I thought was interesting. And the other thing, too, um, you know, Catherine mentioned uh, our interview with Ty Cobb. I mean, you know, Ty Cobb was part of the era of uh, the Trump world, Chris, that these were people that actually would give their opinions to the president. They would not just yes the president. They would actually say, well, no, Mr. President, maybe more this way or that way. They would try to give him counsel. I I think there's a real um, uh, fault, if you will, for Donald Trump right now that he doesn't have those kinds of people around him anymore. I mean, the days of, uh, you know, the Hope Hicks of the world and and, and that early administration are gone. There's so, so, so few people uh, that are able to give the president sound advice and frankly tell him that he's wrong. Um, And I think that that was uh, an interview that, you know, right now in this era, I don't think uh, when, you know, Pat Cipollone and others leave the White House, I'm not sure you will actually get a sense that they were able to give the president that candid uh, take. The president does say one thing that he's right about, that Democrats, since the moment he's gotten into office, have basically tried to impeach him. And they've been investigating him since the day he got here. So I do believe that in this country there may be an investigative fatigue of Trump that I believe that if if this impeachment alone happened in a vacuum and there hadn't been Mueller before for a year, I think there would have been more Republicans that would have been shocked by the behavior. Do you think? I mean, this is actually a point that fascinates me, Chris, because I think when we look at the beginning of the congressional investigations into the president, right, this was in the Judiciary Committee oversight, too, um, but mainly with uh, Chairman Nadler. Of course, it ended up with um, Bob Mueller testifying before the committee himself. But even sources, Democratic sources on the Hill that I spoke to, uh, remember that hearing when Corey Lewandowski came in and sources close to uh, Pelosi and even on uh, his own committee were saying, that that was terrible. Right. So frankly, that was embarrassing for them. And that allowed, uh, and Republicans would say that's embarrassing for them, and that allowed Republicans to say, look, they went down this road with Mueller. Now they want to investigate the foreign contacts. And, and honestly, that's why uh, Chairman Nadler was, frankly, uh, pretty much cut out uh, of the uh, impeachment investigation. But I do think it could have maybe um, changed some minds of Republicans. Do I think that the result Uh, would be different? Would the president still be acquitted? Yes, but uh, maybe more Republicans earlier on might have found the the behavior or what they were hearing from witnesses uh, more convincing if from the beginning it didn't look, in their words, as they would say, is, you know, an embarrassing process by Chairman Nadler. And I think we just can't forget the power of Donald Trump Mm -hmm. as the brander in chief, right? So he was able to continue this idea of here they go again, right? They couldn't beat me in the election. Okay. They couldn't beat me after Bob Mueller. Okay, well, now here they go again. And and, and I think we can't forget the impact that and the power, frankly, uh, that the president's words, repetition, Twitter account have on the minds of not only those in Washington, but around the country. I I, I mean, I was stunned. Uh, I have neighbors uh, that are uh, extremely liberal from California, hate Donald Trump with a passion. And I'll never forget after this all got started, they, they came up to me and said, you know, do you think 
he's right that there's a deep state out to get him? Because, you know, when you kind of piece it all together, maybe you could see it. And, and, and not that that changed their mind on Donald Trump, but the, the point being that he had impact on the way that even someone that despises him and still does um, viewed this because of the way that he was able to make that very simple, digestible, they're out to get me again, folks, for many people around the country. I, I do wonder, though, where they go next for Democrats up on Capitol Hill. I mean, Jerry Nadler has said he wants to subpoena John Bolton. Will he still do that? Do they see a benefit in still going? We're going to have to wait and see. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end. And I want to thank both of you for all your hard work covering this president. And we've got uh, a, a year more to go. I want to thank you all for joining us. If news warrants will definitely pop back up on your podcast feed and with this president, you never know with a new episode. But in the meantime, do subscribe to our sister podcast, Start Here and Powerhouse Politics. I'd like to thank our producers, Emily Rachowski, Hallie Fager, Caitlin Fomer, and most importantly, Trevor Hastings, who had to deal with us uh, coming in at the last minute over and over again. Then one last time for John Santucci, Matt Mosk, Catherine Falders, I'm Chris Flasto. Thank you for listening to The Investigation. <laughs>